0: You're listening to Ask Us Anything, a periodic podcast by Wise Travel Confederation, exploring topics of interest to the youth and student travel industry. My name's Wendy Morrill. I coordinate research and educational activities at Wise Travel Confederation. What's one of the most important aspects of developing a new hostel brand in the post pandemic travel space? Staffing? Tech? TikTok? And what about the bed? Comfort? Cool? Cheap? This Ask Us Anything conversation with Louise Garner, commercial director of Cabanas, a new hostel brand in the UK, offers some opinions and insights on the question. If I had to boil it down to one word, I'd say flexibility. Louise and I discussed the development of tech specifically designed for hostels and around revenue management of the bed, We also touch on developing a social media strategy alongside the development of your guest experience, and of course, something that's been a challenge for most in hospitality coming out of the COVID-19 pandemic, staffing. Strategic partners have been key to the launch of Cabanas, and as you'll hear Louise say, 2024 will be a big year for the brand, especially when it comes to expansion plans. Have a listen. Louise, welcome to Wise Ask Us Anything podcast. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thank you, Wendy. Good morning. Nice to see you.
0: Yeah, good morning. So, you're the commercial director of a new use-oriented travel accommodation brand in the UK called Cabanas. Tell us about Cabanas.
1: Thank you. Um, It's exciting. Um, Well, Cabanas, we currently have three locations. Uh, We have London, said Pancras, we have Liverpool and Newcastle. Uh, These are properties for those who know the UK market um, were operated by YHA uh, for a long time. And uh, we took over those last summer. um, uh, July 23, I think it was. In, in some some ways that's only a few months, but it kind of feels like a few <laughs> years when you start a startup business. Um, but it's very exciting. Um, yes, so um we, as you said, uh, we will have a large focus on, on on youth travel. We know that our guests will be a mix, again nothing particularly unusual, but I would say solo travelers, um the digital nomads, which you know we know um especially prevalent, prevalent pre-COVID, but I would say even larger increase now. Post COVID, as work and uh, outside of work life has changed uh, for a lot for a lot of people, depending on what they do for a living, are there? We will definitely have a mix of uh, hybrid accommodation. So some of it will be we shared, and some of it will be uh, private. There, um, we will look to grow across Europe. Um, our property team are actively looking for for different properties, um, whether they are an existing. Uh, a hostel could be a hotel could be an office building uh there so yes yeah, so um we're excited um about that we will definitely have some uh group guests uh in our locations as well and again we will particularly focus on on the on the youth market um whether that's the uh, educational sector within the youth market um or uh, international guests maybe coming from america just to, to from a pure tourism perspective so mm-hmm. uh, yes um we we we're, we're super excited to be here um it's early days mm-hmm. <laughs> um but we we look to forward to adding um new properties uh, quite quickly look forward okay. to sharing those destinations
0: with everybody so um as well in the uk or just beyond the uk the expansion
1: I think both. Um, there's okay. definitely room um, in the UK um, for for more. Uh, we, I know from talking to Hostel World, this was a, a while ago, but Hostel World shared with us, I think it was 20, I'm going to see if I can get my years right now, it was <laughs> post COVID, so 21, maybe 22. Um, the hostel bed stock, pure hostel bed stock in London, for example, was back 43% than the pre COVID years. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, London as a destination r- remains, you know, one of the premier destinations for for all guest types and all accommodation types uh, globally um and we know that there was a massive drop there in the market and there hasn't been that much new product come come online so i definitely think there's room in the uk it might not just be in london but yeah primary focus will be um kind of uh within the eurozone um and 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 looking obviously i have a wish list which includes some warm destinations but that's maybe a little bit selfish (laughs) on my part because i'd like to go to porto or somewhere like that but uh yeah so we'll be looking across europe Yeah.
0: Okay, so why the name Cabanas?
1: Well, that's a hard decision, isn't it? Um, choosing a name—it um, uh, does sound beginning.
0: warm. Now that you're mentioning, it, you know, it does warm sound places. warm,
1: and I would say something we would like, and that's a, a maybe a hard thing to achieve. And every guest is different. Everybody who walks through our door is different. But ideally, with it, when you walk into a Cabanas location, that sense of Um, When I say a resort feeling, I'm not talking about palm trees and parrots and maybe some um, kettle drum music, but just as in that you exhale. Yeah, that that would be nice. (laughs) But maybe you exhale a little bit. Maybe your shoulder, whether you've come in after a long day of work, whether you're coming in for a cup of coffee or to stay with us, that your kind of shoulders come down. Just that little Mm -hmm. bit of an exhale uh, when you come. Um, A brand name is hard to choose. Um, I would definitely say there are some kind of – uh, simple logistics i is there a, is there a domain available <laughs> for the name <laughs> okay. that you choose because yeah. um, you know that's all important in this day and age right um and can you create is there a domain or a brand name available without having to add maybe an s or a z or kind of make some quirky quirky uh uh sure. name and that's fine for some brands obviously but for us cabanas with a K there was some connection to if you think of a cabana with a C maybe Mm -hmm. on a on a on a nice um, holiday where you had kind of your own private space and that was there there was definitely um, a a connection for that kind of a link to something special when you travel and explore rather than I'm not we're not aiming to build a little you know a whole row of little huts uh, in terms of a cabana that you might have on holiday but just that again something special when you travel and explore Um, and then we that's when we came up with
0: cabanas with a K so I probably won't walk into a cabana, say in Liverpool, and hear Barry Manilow singing "Copa Cabana."
1: <laughs> maybe not. I'm, I mean,
0: I'm not, sure, I'm not sure our demographic would uh, <laughs> would love that, but yeah, maybe just
1: myself. I'll be in the corner.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so um, you mentioned you have properties in London, Liverpool, and Newcastle at the moment, and I'm yeah. just curious about. Of course, those are great cities. Um. And me being a music person, I'm very curious about what you have going on in Liverpool. Are you leveraging the local destinations, you know, attractions or special cultural activities in connection with any of the properties at all?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. So you can't you can't think of the Liverpools without thinking think of Liverpool without thinking of the Beatles, obviously, mm. and where the property is on Matthew Street. We're right in the the Cavern sector of, of of Liverpool. So we're close next door to the Cavern Club um, and to the Beatles Experience, which is mm-hmm. the official. Um, kind of uh tourism spot um for, for guests to, to, to buy tickets there so we have a partnership um uh with them. Obviously there is more to uh to Liverpool than the Beatles. I'm sure, sure. Liverpoolians may may like to tell you yeah. the there's, there's lots of other things there, but it's a city that's very proud um of its past as it as it as it rightly should be from a cultural perspective and there's some beautiful statues of, of um fab four uh when you walk around the city um but yeah so, so music is a is a very important part in the cabana's liverpool destination where we're located um it is definitely a hotspot for kind of uh, for for bars and music in the evening. Um, it's a very lively part of town uh, mm-hmm. there. But Liverpool's cultural depths um, from uh, the Windrush generation into the docks—you know—it's far more than simply music. Yeah. The more that I go to Liverpool, the more. Um, I understand what a what a fantastic city it is, but there there is so much to explore. Then has a very rich history, so yeah, something for us to make sure that we allow that to shine through our, for our team members and for our guests. But but music, especially given our location, again, it's quite lively on a Friday and Saturday night. Music is a, is a key part of um, Cabanas Liverpool and, and the city itself, and that's something to celebrate.
0: Yeah, it's a great city. I think it's an yeah, underrated city.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. A lot of fun.
0: Um, so what's been successful so far in reaching your target guest? And I know it's early days, but have you seen anything that's working or not working?
1: Well, as they were established properties through YHA, I guess Mm -hmm. um, we were very lucky in that when we opened, a lot of the team members um, uh, stayed with us from their previous employer. Um, team members and you know, those superstars at the front of house that were born to be kind of engaging with guests that no repeat guests whether it's an individual solo traveler or maybe somebody that had a group uh, that would frequently come and um, so they have been absolutely incredible um, in sharing that information and saying oh but again whether it's a single a solo traveler or, or groups they've given us um, a lot of um great information and have spoken to guests that they maybe have personal relationships with to say, you know, nothing's changed. Come on back. Um, That's great. Uh, Obviously it goes without saying that our our OTA partnerships with uh, uh, Booking.com hostel world are a, a key part of our strategy and, and guest reach um no marketing budget that you have can match what booking.com can do for you it's simply not possible so whilst of course in an ideal world you have as many of your guests that book directly with you of course uh in terms of you owning that guest relationship from the time they book to the time they check out and obviously of course from a cost perspective um otas are, are A large part of our our strategy. Um, Hostelworld particularly has been very supportive with us as a new venture. They've helped us out with city statistics as well, kind of um, as we get to know each of those cities. Um, They've helped us and that helps with a a strategy. And obviously, over time, we'll build up our guest database and we'll be able to grow our our direct business um, there. Um, and also then from the group's point of view, it's leveling le- leveraging excuse me relationships through 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 wise as well um through different coming to stay wise in, in Munich very soon. Yeah. Um, but also relationships um uh, that can be garnered through uh, wise members as well has been has been very powerful uh, to reach out to people and provide that kind of longer longer term uh, business for us.
0: Um, Just picking up on the hostile world and booking.com thing, I mean, we have um, a little bit of research that we've done at WISE, the New Horizons survey, and uh, actually, you'll see some of this at StayWISE next week. the type of guests that you might receive from either of those booking platforms, is there a difference? I mean, I know probably about eight years ago that people typically would say there was a difference. Is that true pan- post pandemic?
1: Yeah, some of the trends I would say uh,
0: remain the same. We
1: used to say pre pandemic that um, stereotypically the hostel world guest would be more of an experienced traveler, um, that they kind of embraced hostel life whether it was using a guest kitchen or sitting maybe at a communal table and mm. having dinner uh everything else like that so i, I think some of that has um blended as a little bit it's not maybe quite as uh, the lines are quite as divided but um if I, if I look back from a statistical point of view hostel world will still share a large sell a larger share of, of, of dorm beds And Booking.com will sell a larger share of either a private room, so that could be a a double bed, or the guest has bought the entire dorm, private four-bedroom dormitory a private six-bedroom dormitory. Um, So there is still some distinction in in buying patterns uh, Mm -hmm. there. And obviously, from a guest-type point of view, I would get some anecdotal information, I guess, from our um, operational teams. But when I look at the statistics, that's kind of the – uh what we see but booking.com obviously as we know they're the, they're the largest uh, um ota uh in the world they're very quick at changing their technology as well so in the past they maybe weren't as good at selling by the bed and obviously the hostel world platform was built differently um but booking.com's quickly
0: caught up <laughs> yeah that, that the, the, was my next question yeah. i mean and this is just a bit technical but it, you know is that tendency to sell the the private rooms related to any technical difference on either end that you know of i mean i i think it's a little hard to tell that stuff but
1: um. yes yeah, yeah, but they've caught up with their technology with booking.com so some if you work in the wholesale market for example so wholesalers many years ago i'm showing my age now you'd have blackout dates and things that you would fax over to them and it was all very very manual mm-hmm. a lot of wholesalers now whether that's um G2 or Mickey or, uh, you know, any any of the kind of inbound wholesalers, whether that's for the individual guest or group, uh, they are connected to you on a direct connect with your property management system or your channel manager, but a lot of them still cannot sell by bed. As we know, in the shared accommodation, a lot of technology is built for hotels, which is by the room, you know, and yeah. now there are different, for example, property management systems in the market, whether it's Muse or CloudBeds, but, and, and that choice is growing um, in my kind of nearly six years of working in in the shared accommodation space. But there's still not as many technological options um, for beds versus rooms because obviously there are more hotels in the world than there are
0: hostel or they generate more cash. Do you, I mean, well, most of us who've been working in hostels know this for a long time. Do you, I mean, do you think it's an opportunity that people are just ignoring and missing out on or...
1: I think some of the big players from a tech stack point of view um are there. So if I take revenue management systems, um the big players would be, you know, ideas uh, out there, but ideas for a long time you couldn't do you only do room, but they can be, and then they ventured into um revenue management for meeting rooms they did man- revenue management for car parks and mm-hmm. now they you know wow car parks <laughs> you know, a lot of money to be made in par- airport hotels would be very important car park mm-hmm. um but uh, ideas now has they now have done revenue management for bed so it took them a while um, yeah. to, to get there but um the big players there especially i think as kind of the um kind of the power hitters in our space whether it's generator uh, or mining uh, or selena you know the the these Big brands that have grown and attracted or attracted you know venture capital money, and they've done a great job. Therefore, the tech then has followed because you know the, the need was there, and those brands proved themselves that they would you know it was worth a company such as Ideas investing in changing their technology because a Selina, a generator, an A&O, A a mininger—that's a pretty heavy contract if you were yeah. to sign that up. So, um, I think the emergence of uh, larger brands within the hostel space has helped improve what tech is available for us.
0: Yeah. So shifting to a different kind of tech, um, social media, is Cabana's using TikTok? And if yes, have you had any success with it? Not
1: yet uh okay. watch this space um it's on <laughs> okay. my to-do list it's quite a long to do list which again shouldn't sound <laughs> like an I hope it doesn't sound like an excuse we know our guests and our team members do everything on TikTok you know mm-hmm. um as my 16 year old son would tell me um he wouldn't Google anything like he they pick guests and team members people a lot younger than myself research things on TikTok if they're traveling where should I go where can I get cheap eats in Amsterdam or whatever city they're going to explore and, and, and they use TikTok so therefore we need to be active uh, on on this platform um so we were currently working on our social media strategy i didn't want to just um start the brand and then make sure we had facebook instagram snapchat tiktok just for the sake of it it was mm. important to me that if we're going to do it and it needs to be done uh i would say done right but in terms of not any particular rules you can make some mistakes but i didn't just want to be on all platforms for for the sake of it um what's our style going to be what are our stories going to be and ultimately we know for success of that, you want user-generated content. Um, so our guest type has slowly evolved from the guests that stayed with the properties uh, when they were under their previous ownership, and then gradually now kind of the cabana's guest. And so then that's forming those relationships with the team members and to reach out to those guests to say, hey, have you got something you want to share with yeah. us um, and tag? So um, it, it, it will come. And then also we were talking to our team as well as in each of the location is how they – See, cabanas should be represented in the local community you know is it through volunteer hours um is it by inviting local communities local charities in and then i think that will help give us um, part of our voice as well on tiktok it can be funny and memes it's not going to be too serious of course um uh, there but um i need. i want to make sure we've got um content there ready to go rather than just um
0: yeah
1: um putting things up for the sake of it so so it will come
0: yeah, I mean that sounds like a sensible approach that I don't hear often, um sort of let it develop along with our guest experience and um yeah, brand which yeah. is young, yeah. so. It is yes, young. So. Just a little one. <laughs> <laughs> so your role in the company is commercial director. Tell me yeah. what's the most exciting part of your job. What's the most exciting part of my
1: job? Well, my role is to is to make money of course for for <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, any company that i work for as well as to develop our our, our brand um, mm-hmm. i really like um one of the things that excites me the most is coming in in the morning and having seen the revenue man our revenue manager lena um, or in any company I've worked, at, to see our daily pickup reports that makes me, and to understand where that business has come from. You know, is it a strategy that we try to be launch a sale, a winter sale, for example, and our OTA partners have helped deliver it, or have we grown our direct business percentage as a as a new company? Um, is it a relationship that I may be made with, or one of the team made with a, with a tour operator that's delivered some revenue kind of down the road? That that makes me um, uh, happy. But then also, as we start to put together. Um, our brand identity, what the Cabana's voice will sound like, what the buildings will look like, what the new locations will be—that's that's a really exciting. Um journey to be on. Um, in my role, I work very closely with my counterpart, Liam, as director of operations as well. Um, you know, you never want to sell something or promote something that then is not deliverable by the operational team. That's unfair. So mm-hmm. we work very closely on that um, and to make sure that we're kind of delivering our brand pillars. Uh, as we define those, um, you can put them on paper, but it's very different when they're in a building mm-hmm. and with a team member and, and a location um, there. Um, I also, I really enjoy the property side of the business. Um, if we're looking in a new city, um, I, I, I like data. Um, so, um, and people, obviously, but I particularly like data. So then if we were looking in a new location, I really like gathering kind of what are the international tourism statistics, um, you know, what comp sets there um, and, you know, how can I guess get there? Is there a good airport hub? good trains for them for getting coaches and everything else like that so i really enjoy putting that together if property finds it but you know uh, a building or a few buildings they want to look at is kind of kind of the jigsaw pieces but to put the putting that together um so so that i i particularly enjoy and i know then that will help develop the brand for the long term so that would be a really exciting. then when we can say yeah we did the work property like the building that was great and then when we can move forward with that so um I look forward to being able to announce some new locations hopefully later on this year which would be very exciting and that's kind of the culmination of all that research
0: yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah I can see that as being satisfying yeah yeah exciting yeah, yeah. somewhere
1: um, warm though right I'm going I'm going for <laughs> somewhere warm fingers crossed
0: <laughs> and what would you say is the most challenging aspect of your job as commercial director
1: Gosh, with um, elements that are outside of your control. Obviously, um, I've been around a while. I've been through a few economic cycles, up and mm-hmm. down, um, and going there. So, it, it, it's making sure that you see those. Um, you know, so, in the UK, where I am, and of course across Europe, a lot of countries are with cost of living, high inflation. What does that? We know that our mar- our um, our part of the accommodation market is. It is somewhat robust um you know from a price point perspective it will impact luxury hotels and things like that first or maybe the upscale if luxury is not impacted by by, by the super wealthy um but it's just kind of looking um so that those can be the sleepless nights sometimes the um the, the uncontrollables the macro mm-hmm. factors that impact all of our, our lives and then what what you're going to do about it um to go from there but again um through through my years in in this sector i know it's particularly resilient it's not about ignoring things and saying that they're not going to happen or not going to impact us you have to tweak strategy whether it's uh, price reductions um, buying in some volume from an operator or something like that um but it's it's more resilient than my kind of decades before in kind of the upscale hotels Mm -hmm. um, market so yeah so those are definitely the more challenging things or again I'll wake up at three in the morning worrying about something.
0: Well, we we will have some more good news about the resilience of the youth market at StayWise next week, I'm glad to say. But, of course, it's, you know, over the long term and it's then finding the sort of soft landings for those those difficult points. Um, But, yeah, Um, there's a lot of talk about labor shortage in hospitality the last i don't know year or more mm. nobody knows how many years it is anymore but <laughs> um, what's your view on this does it does it still exist is it regional localized um and and how do you think that's going to play out over the next few years has it improved at all
1: it's a it's a great question uh, i know from um, my time on kind of WISE accommodation panel as, as we came out of COVID and different locations were opening up. Um, now, I think it was the summer of 21, could be 22, I, I get <laughs> a little fuzzy on the dates. Um, but we would talk um, with Peter at Hans Brinker and Etienne uh, at Joe and Joe. And we would talk about the struggle. And in that summer, as we opened up and we saw massive demand, people were desperate to get out and travel. It was amazing. And we kind of went from oh, 20, 30% occupancy to buildings being rammed. It was great. But we uh, across all different locations and different countries, the struggle was in, in food and beverage, particularly in the kitchens um, and then also in the bars. I, rem- I clearly remember conversations of, of people saying, oh, you know, the bar is closed. And, I, I, you know, because mm. we, we, we can't we can't run it, we can't find bartenders or the local competitor has increased our hourly rate. And so it was hard, for, very competitive there. So since we um, started Cabanas last, last summer and obviously we, we've had turnover or we've added new roles, it hasn't been as, as hard as it was in that kind of post-COVID summer there. I also think the industry has learned a lot. Um, we're now more flexible um, you know the industry, rightly for young people as well, who traditionally who who come into to our industry has a really bad PR because I don't know the exact figures, but you know whether it's hundreds of thousands or millions of people globally maybe lost their jobs, whether that was furloughed temporary or actually lost their jobs. So I understand as a as a young person that hospitality in all of its different sectors was maybe something that they were apprehensive or just outright, no, I'm not going to enter that. There's there's, there's no stability there. So there's definitely a PR piece for us as an industry to say, you know, what you can do, you can, you know, whether you can travel the world or you work hard here. And then, you know, yes, there are some unsocial hours, you know, if if you run a food and beverage operation, um, that's not nine till five because people eat out in the evening or if you run a bar, there are, there are late shifts. So I think, there's definitely a PR piece that we still need to work on as an industry to showcase the opportunities um, that are there if somebody is really interested. Um, but then also it's that flexibility in scheduling. You know, many years ago when I worked in, in, in kitchens, um, you know, I would do split shifts and that was really hard. You know, you do breakfast up to lunchtime, you go home for a couple of hours and then yeah. I come back in. And then if I think back to it's not only the hours that you work, but there was there was no couple of hours in between, didn't give yourself a break. Right. And hopefully those times have changed. We definitely don't have split shifts um, uh, at Cabana. So it's kind of that flexibility within scheduling. Are you working with somebody's hours maybe while they're at university? Maybe they have a second part-time job. Maybe they're a parent that wants kind of a school hours role, um, you know, so that they're there maybe working from kind of nine till two in between school pick So it's how how we we flex um. Uh, I think is really important. Um, so we've definitely done that um, at Cabanas. And in terms of how it will play out over the next few years, um, uh, the costs will be hard. You know, In the UK, the national minimum wage is going up, I think it's about 10% in, in April, which is obviously fantastic. For for team members and to be able to put more money in, in, into people's pocket, and you want somebody, everybody to have a fair wage, especially um with everything going up so much in the supermarkets from filling up your car uh, and petrol, um, but then it's how does the business s- sustain that uh, hmm. model? Hopefully, the increase in wage will then help towards some of the PR. Will that attract more people? So actually, you know that's great. I've got the flexible hours, I can still go to school, I can still do my second job um, if I do that. So um, again, you know, kind of in summary, we haven't seen the stark kind of crisis that we had kind of post COVID summer. Um, I think it's just really important that we flex because most hospitality businesses, especially if you have overnight accommodation, you have people on staff 24 hours a day. Maybe you don't run all of your areas of your business 24 hours a day, but you have, if you have guests overnight, you have staff overnight um, there. So it, it, it's how we um, and flex and, and, and listen to um, the staff that come in and, and what's important to them and how we can flex our our, our business model um, so that we, we are not in that kind of quite stark place we were post-COVID.
0: I was describing the split shift in hospitality to someone the other day that mm. had never heard of this. <laughs> yeah, 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 But um, you, what you've just described there strikes me as incredibly human. I mean, the people yeah. are people. They're people that come to your property and they work there. And yeah. I've also heard from others that they're solving this problem with technology. I, I mean, ultimately, I think there's probably a combination of the two that needs to be done. Are there technological changes that you've implemented that help with? I mean, I think if I go back to kind of the the tech stack we were talking about earlier, there are more
1: systems available for, again, whether it's hostel-specific or just purely accommodation, there um, ideally uh, a team member a receptionist whatever you call your front of house staff um for me should be there for the fun stuff you know as well as obviously if something goes wrong and a guest needs urgent help but you know nobody wants that kind of i don't know kind of that comical kind of airline uh, check-in when you got to the go you know, to the end you know, somebody's typing away on their keyboard furiously for 10 minutes and so they don't make any <laughs> eye contact with you hopefully those days are long gone um because we don't have legacy systems um and an ideal for me is you take if you look at the airlines you know you take you take you take a Ryanair most people will book their flight on the app they know they have to check in or easy they have to check in otherwise there's a fine or you can't book beforehand you've got your boarding pass whether you still print it or you keep it in your travel wallet and and all that's done and the staff check your passport if you're international because that's what they have to do but other than that all the transactional part of your um your your journey with them is complete so for me hospitality and what i'd like to do you know with cabanas is the fun stuff we want to welcome the guest whether they're there for a cup mm-hmm. of coffee a glass of wine um we want to, to welcome them in into the building so ideally for me obviously they've purchased the, the, their bed their room with us but ideally they they kind of checked in whether you, you work with a partner that we are um like, like goki and they can go straight to their room to to use some of that technology but mm-hmm. so that does save on some staffing but the more tech you have the more apis the more interfaces you have somebody has to monitor those and if they right. go wrong what happens you know um uh, yeah. i remember a couple of years ago um I was having a burger after a long day uh, in a Hilton in London when I worked for them. And I was sitting at the at the bar, and the, the manager was training, obviously, a, 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 a new team member and was obviously explaining to them, like, this is what happens when we go manual. And they cut out the old clunk, clunk credit card machine, <laughs> you know, the one that you used to yes. slide across with the multiple. And this this person was maybe 18, 20 years old. And she was just staring at this <laughs> monstrosity, like, what is this thing? Um, and everything else like that. So technology is amazing, but obviously, you still need processes when the power goes out or the api goes wrong and the interface there so there is some savings in terms of labor um but i wouldn't choose for our model to go to a fully automated um you know like i don't know a mcdonald's screen where you could order absolutely everything and then you mm. just pick up your food or even okay. in. i think you can do a self check-in and you just pick up a key yeah. um, i think some of that's fine But hospitality is about people. And if we've worked hard to recruit fantastic people from all over the world, which is the wow for me, that's what I love, love, love love about hospitality is meeting new people and understanding their cultures. um, Then you want the guests to experience that as well. So I think you use technology um, there, but it's always going to be about people.
0: So I think that's a good segue to ask who is a person that you admire and has influenced your outlook on work or just everyday life
1: well I was thinking uh, about that question many years ago um it definitely would have been mentors from within the industry um Mm -hmm. I've worked in hospitality since I was 14 so that's quite a lot of years um after graduation uh, and I I did a degree in in hotel restaurant management and I was working out in a really nice hotel in San Francisco I had a mentor um, there who helped me um a lot, kind of in, in in housekeeping and front of house, and I like so. There, so definitely, kind of who I admire in the past was, and still very grateful for, were people who mentored me at that early stage of, of my career and helped me kind of carve out the path and understand where I where I wanted to go. I think for me now, I tend to look at sports. Um, I'm quite competitive. Okay. <laughs> I like to win <laughs> or give it my best shot. If we don't, even if we don't win, you don't always win. So um, so my passions are in sport are Formula One and, and rugby, rugby union. Oh. So I'm very excited Six Nations begin next week. Um, okay. So Formula One, if I take Formula One, um, I'm team Lewis Hamilton uh, uh, all the way. Big fan. Um, And what I admire about a very public figure such as Lewis Hamilton or even a swimmer such as Adam Peaty, you know, they've broken all the records. Lewis has seven seven world championships and everything else like that, is that they, they, they remain humble. They know that they have to put in the work. Eighty percent isn't good enough. It has to be a hundred percent. That's even kind of an Arnold Schwarzenegger. If you read anything that he's ever written, as an incredible sports person during his time, uh, he would say that other guys in the gym would have give eighty percent and then they were done. He always knew he had to deliver to get his Mr. Olympia titles. So he had to give that hundred, hundred mm-hmm. and ten percent, that, and that's exactly the way. Um, uh, Lewis Hamilton holds himself, and, and that's what I admire. After every race, the first thing he does is he thanks the fans, and then he thanks the teams—how a team, how, however many it is, tens of people, hundreds of people—that are working behind the scenes on the engine. You know, every millimeter, every millisecond of speed that helps him 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 gain uh, a competitive advantage. Or even when it hasn't been great the last couple of years for Mercedes, um, he still um, puts in 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 the effort. And he doesn't he doesn't play the blame game. And that for me is really important on a bad day. I can have a woe is me moment and that's fine. Have a little chat with myself. But don't don't participate in in, uh, the blame game. I'm responsible for myself, whether it's as a leader at work, whether it's as a a, a parent, as a daughter, as a wife, all the different roles that I have in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, So working in a new business, I want to give 100 percent and and hopefully Channa. Channel my uh, inner uh, Lewis Hamilton um, to remain 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 calm even when everything around you may be a little chaotic. So um, I definitely admire his approach in what he does uh, on a daily basis.
0: Okay, that's interesting. We will wrap it up by asking you to tell us something interesting that we could expect from Cabanas in 2024, or maybe later. Anything special?
1: Well, i don't know i can't, can't give away all the secrets but um, <laughs> they're not secrets of course but it'll be a big year for us obviously we've just mm-hmm. come out of the first six months uh, of a new company um we aim for this year we'd like to be able to announce some, some new locations uh for our guests for our partners um in in the kind of group uh, arena to be excited about um and then basically Hopefully that doesn't sound too cheesy, but we we'll get to share more of the Cabana's love um, across Europe and the Cabana's brand as we find ourselves and who we are and develop our voice. Um, as we said uh, earlier, we're working very hard on sleep quality, on what that should look like, um, because obviously, as I said, you know, you want to walk in and hopefully your shoulders come down and you exhale and you found a great pace. You've got an awesome cup of coffee, uh, maybe you really, you know, great shower in the morning or you've had the music was great and you've you got to chat to, to a fellow traveller. Uh, there but ultimately for me um, a great night's sleep is, is, is the priority and even if you mm-hmm. have all those other great things if if the bed wasn't comfortable or you couldn't get the right temperature or anything else like that uh, that's what the guest is going to remember when they leave because they're going yeah. to feel pretty rubbish the next day <laughs> so for us for that was that there's a lot of work going on to that is how can we achieve that in a shared accommodation space yeah. you can't again you can't control everything but um what can we do to make sure we elevate that for the guest, but still remain, at a, you know, a, a great value price point. So that's definitely something that, that we're really working on um, and we'll be able to talk about more soon. Um, but yes, it'll be about hopefully new locations we'll be able to talk about um, in the coming months across 2024.
0: Hey, and we will see you at the StayWise conference next week in Munich, I believe.
1: Yes, I'm looking forward to it. I have been, whenever I travel somewhere, maybe a little bit of a geek, I always put the city on my on my phone so I can check out the weather. Mm-hmm. Um, it did have a, a feels like minus 14 the other week oh. in Munich. So I was a little bit concerned. It's a bit milder now, I think. But no, I'm really excited. All of my appointments are booked up. Um, so I'm excited to meet um, uh, new colleagues, existing colleagues, and, and partners for Cabana. So um, I can't wait, and also really important to hear the industry insights from from the sessions that we have. So uh, yeah, can't wait to see everybody in Munich.
0: Very good. Well, Louise, thank you so much for this conversation, and I look forward to following the development of the Cabana's vibe. It sounds like a nice one. And yeah, thank you for giving us these insights on the new brand.
1: Thank you, Wendy. It's been lovely to talk to you.
0: Many thanks again to Louise for this Ask Us Anything conversation. Cabanas will certainly be a youth travel brand to watch this year. And we're delighted to welcome this new hostel chain into the Wise Travel Confederation community. We hope that we can let our shoulders down soon and experience the satisfying relief of a cabana exhale. I'll invite Lewis Hamilton and bring the Barry Manilow. See you. If you'd like to learn more about international youth and student travel, you'll find research publications and news at our website, wysetc.org. You'll also find information about our conferences designed specifically for professionals dealing in the youth travel market. Wise Travel Confederation is the only global not-for-profit membership organization representing the youth, student, and educational travel industry. If you work in this sector of the travel and tourism industry, consider joining our global network. Thanks for listening.